The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello and welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum, and we are going to continue our positional breakdowns as we look forward to the NFL Draft. Giants completely, officially knocked out of the playoff race. Realistically, they have been out of the playoff race for quite a while. Now, officially and mathematically, 0% chance. So at 5-9, and nine, the Giants sit at right now the ninth overall pick. But there are five teams right now who have a 5-9 and nine record. So over the next two weeks, there could be a lot of fluctuation. The Giants could conceivably pick anywhere from like 7th to 13th if all of those teams stay around the same area. When it was Monday morning, uh, they were 8th. I believe, and then Carolina lost on Monday night. I think that hurt the Giants straight the schedule, so then they dropped down to ninth. So just in one day, there's been fluctuations there. ESPN's Football Power Index has them projected to pick ninth with an 8.6 pick average. Football Outsiders has them as only a 5.7% chance at a top five pick. So that is where the Giants stand right now with two weeks to go in the regular season. Now, two days positional preview is going to be the interior defensive line and I think we've already talked about edge how that's a strong class we've talked about some cornerbacks how that's a strong class but I think if you might pick one defensive position that is really the strength of this class it might be the interior defensive line so uh you ready to break down some of these big guys Chris oh definitely and the Assuming all of these guys come out, this is going to be a crazy good defensive line class. And like you said, we've already talked about the edge class and how good that is with Nick Bosa and Clellan Farrell, the good Josh Allen, all those guys. This will be at, should be at least as good. I think we should probably get started by talking about the difference between the defensive line and edge positions just as they stand because the definitions have been kind of undergoing some changes over the last couple of years. Yeah, so I think instead of... I think you'll hear us say edge and interior defensive line, and I think that's the better way to put it than you know defensive end and defensive tackle, because some of those are just you're interchangeable. I think those are in 
in a vacuum kind of outdated terms um, because you can have a 4-3 defensive end is different than a 3-4 defensive end. Uh, but also, you know, the Giants are supposed to be a 3-4 base. But, I mean, when's the last time we really saw them run a three-man defensive line? It, it doesn't happen that often. So when you look at the interior defenders, I think, in, in my view, those are going to be kind of, you know, the bigger guys uh, who you would think of as the run stoppers, but... Uh, as the passing becomes more important in the NFL, and these are guys who are still going to be able to create pressure, but they're going to do it against the guards and the center, while the edge guys are the ones doing it from the outside. Yep, absolutely. And at college and at the pro level, and there is definitely a correlation between the two, these guys are getting smaller and faster because of the proliferation of the spread offense in college. Basically, everyone runs. Everyone, except for, like, Wisconsin and Iowa, run some variation on the spread offense. Even those schools use spread concepts. So the entire defense has to get smaller and faster. So a lot of these guys we're going to be talking about, even though we'll be calling them defensive tackles a couple years ago people would probably be looking at them as maybe even big defensive ends or you know undersized three techniques something like that and as the spread offense gets more and more popular in the nfl just you know look at the rams the chiefs the eagles the saints all those teams incorporating spread concepts you're going to see more of these just incredibly athletic defensive tackles or interior defensive linemen getting picked highly. Right. And there's also, I also don't think we see a point where, oh, probably a while ago, and maybe not even a while ago, recently, if you would think of a defensive tackle or an interior defender, it was a gigantic human being who was thought of as this run stopper. But that that's not the case anymore. Like it, you would think of like Damon Harrison as that type of guy. That doesn't have to be the case anymore. I, I think we've seen with players like Aaron Donald who fell to where he did in the draft because he was considered small. But you can see the impact he makes now. One, being small is an advantage for the position he plays because he can get lower on these bigger offensive tackles and he has an easier time getting through the line. And then he uses that quickness and he's arguably the most dangerous pass rusher in the league and he's doing it from the interior. So we'll see how some of these smaller guys can make an impact and, and you don't need to be a you know, 6'5", 300-plus-pound guy to make a difference in the interior, and especially the guys we're going to talk about, not a lot of them even make it to that size anyway. No, and it will be interesting to see how the Giants value and evaluate this draft class. They have typically, historically, liked big interior defensive linemen, guys like Linval Joseph, like John Hankins, like Dalvin Tomlinson, like B.J. Hill, like Damon Harrison, you know, could go on for a while, which also brings us, gives us a pretty good overview of the state of the Giants' interior defensive line. They've got good ones. 
even though Snacks isn't here anymore. But they're all big guys, and Hill is probably the most athletic, including the their nominal five techniques like Josh Moreau and uh, RJ McIntosh and Kerry Wynn. Yeah, so Dave Gettleman is going to be a guy who likes these defensive tackles. And while he has liked defensive tackles, he's liked a little different varying style of those players. Carolina had Star Latule, who's more of just a run stopper. Kiwan Short is a guy who is who can make those run stops, but is able to get pressure. Vernon Butler then was supposed to be one of those guys who could also do both, but he, he never really panned out. So when you look at the Giants, it's going to be really interesting to see how they view this position because they have talent there. And so the position isn't really one of the most importance, but they don't necessarily have a guy who stands out in any particular way. I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson is good. He's been making some run stops. He can occasionally create interior pressure. Uh, BJ Hill has been exceptional this season. He's been able to get in the backfield. I mean, he has five sacks, but he's also, you know, not a guy that the defenses are going to consistently worry about getting into the backfield on a consistent basis. And then you have a whole bunch of just rotational pieces in Mario Edwards and Josh Morrow and Kerry Wynn and and people like that. So there's there's a good presence there. I think maybe the worst case, you would like a little bigger rotation to get some guys in. But if you're looking for, you know, a real impact guy, those are going to be the guys who are going super early. So the Giants would have to use probably their, you know, a top 10 pick on that guy. And and I'm not sure if that's something they're going to do. Yeah, and th- that's the thing we've seen about Dave Gettleman is he will absolutely stick to his board he will pick the highest graded player on his board just almost regardless of need at the position or obviously positional value as we saw with the uh running backs versus quarterback debate a year ago yeah don't don't say almost there is no regard for need or positional value (laughs) yeah there's no no almost none no none at all so yeah, but in that case, there's going to be these interior defenders highly ranked on, on a lot of these boards. So I'm just looking at Dan Cater's most recent mock draft for SB Nation. There's interior defensive linemen at 2, at 6, at 10. So there's 3 in the top 10. I think there's five or six that he has going in the first round. So these guys are going to be highly graded. So if you're looking at someone like Dave Gettleman, who is apparently very clearly a best player available type drafter, these guys might be someone the Giants put a little more thought into than you might think with what they currently have in the interior. And if there's one thing the Giants do not have, in their front seven, it's a pass rush. They do not have a player who can consistently threaten an opposing offense, who can consistently just beat blockers, pressure quarterbacks, blow up running plays in the backfield, any of that. They they don't have that guy right now. There's hope that 
Lorenzo Carter and BJ Hill could maybe grow into them being grow into the, being those kinds of players. Yeah. Maybe Olivier Vernon gets his contract reworked and isn't a cap casualty. And maybe, I don't know, loses 10, 15 pounds and is able to play with a little bit more speed and, you know, is stay healthy, but they need a pass rush. And I think that's where the first guy I want to talk about comes in. And that is Ed Oliver out of Houston, not your normal football powerhouse, but he has been basically a consensus either top 10 or top five pick since he was a freshman. Yeah, I mean, literally since he was a freshman as someone who went to a college in the American Athletic Conference, which is where Houston also plays, the Ed Oliver hype has been there for quite some time. So he's going to be one of these guys we're, we're talking about who is maybe traditionally undersized, but that doesn't really matter because he's going to have the athleticism to use that to his advantage. So he's listed at 6'3", 292, which is... He is not that big. Right. So that's obviously listed. We'll see. He's only a junior, so he's not going to be down at the Senior Bowl. So we'll, we'll have to wait until probably the Combine to get official measurements on him. But either way, I don't think his height or weight really matter when when you see what he can do. So he has long been someone who has been hyped up, but he is also someone who's I'm not totally sure if his if his production matched what we all expected at least this year. So per Sports Info Solutions, oh, I have some charting on that now, which is going to be amazing as we dive in deeper into some of these college prospects. So he had 30 quarterback pressures this year, which is a very good number, but only ended up with six hits and three sacks. And I, I've been someone who long has said and has written with Olivier Vernon this year that pressures are more indicative of performance than sacks, but even just that number of of pressures to hits worries me just a little bit. It it does. I think a lot of it has to do with he needs to polish his game. I mean, you talk about him being athletic, that honestly doesn't even scratch the surface. He is insanely athletic. It, even if he is only, only 280 pounds, he moves like a 240-pound linebacker, maybe even better than that. I have, not personally, but I have seen videos of him doing tight end drills and looking just completely fluid doing them. His first step is as good as basically any edge rusher you could ask for, and his ability to just blow past blockers is ridiculous. The problem with him, I think, comes with he needs to really learn how to harness that athleticism and beat blockers rather than run past them. Because if guys are able to get a hand on him, he takes him a bit to get off of those blocks. Yeah, so I think that's that's one thing. He's going to be someone who is very enticing athletically. But if you're looking and you're going to try to compare him to like an Aaron Donald who's listed uh, six foot 285. I think you might come out a little disappointed in that area because Aaron Donald was 
was a complete freak. So he finished his senior year with 28 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks, and four forced fumbles. You know, at Oliver, we had 14 and a half tackles for loss this year, the three sacks, one forced fumble. So I think when you're just looking at production and how that translates, I don't think you want to plug Oliver in as Aaron Donald, but also Aaron Donald is just not human. So not being Aaron Donald is not necessarily a bad thing because no one else is Aaron Donald. But if if that's what you're thinking with Oliver, I think you have to temper expectations a little bit, um, though he should still be a high draft pick. And if you have a coach who can refine some of his, his technique and get the most of that athleticism, then he's going to be a real dangerous defender. Yeah, exactly. If he can get good coaching at the NFL level and really learn how to use his hands and time his hands with his steps and be able to really finish those plays and turn pressures into tackles for loss and sacks, then you're going to have a guy who you might be able to talk about in the same sentence as Aaron Donald. But he has to do the work to get there. Donald was much more polished coming out. Absolutely. So if we want to talk about someone who is going to be pretty polished coming out, and it's kind of crazy because he was only a redshirt sophomore, but is probably going to be the top interior defensive lineman drafted in this class, and mock drafts have him going like as high as two behind Nick Bosa, um, and that is Quinnen Williams of Alabama. Yeah, and it's almost insane to see how he has risen this year. Because Alabama being Alabama just replaces NFL players like a shark replaces teeth. They just have a new one every year, and they just cycle through them. Last last year, nobody knew Quinn and Williams' name. He wasn't on anybody's watch list. And this year, he has just been completely dominant. He is a handful for any two blockers he lines up against. Yeah, He's almost as quick and athletic as Ed Oliver, but he's got that refinement to his game, which is, again, impressive because he's only a redshirt sophomore. Yeah, and he was just downright dominant this past season. 18 tackles for loss, 8 sacks, 25 run stuffs, and Sports Info Solutions has him with 41 pressures, which leads this interior defensive line class. Um, so Oliver had 30 pressures. Quinn and Williams had 41. And he had 25 quarterback hits. 25 as as a, a defensive tackle in the interior. So he's someone who is almost completely unblockable. And he can make plays against the pass, can make plays against the run, uh, just consistently in the backfield. He is a game wrecker uh, if you have him in the middle of that defense. He is. He's listed at 6'4", 295. Again, like Ed Oliver, not that big. If he's an inch and five pound, an inch taller and five pounds heavier than Oliver, that's all. But Alabama would line him up everywhere. Five technique, three technique, two eye, even as a true nose. And he was disrupting plays or making plays from everywhere. I don't know how much more we really need to talk about him. He is really good. Someone is going to draft him really high, and they are going to be very happy. 
unless he gets caught with some weed or something, it's not going to be the Giants. Right. Yeah. If the Giants are, are sitting at nine and we're talking about how some of these guys are going to go high, again, the, the Cater mock draft, yes, Quinn and Williams going at two to Oakland. Oliver going at six to Atlanta, but Atlanta is one of those five and nine teams. Again, it's it's super early for mock drafts or really projecting exactly where these guys are going to go. But these are the type of guys we can see their stock is right now in around the top five. So especially those two guys. But now if, if we move on and if we stay at Alabama, there's a strange difference between Williams and Raquan Davis, who also played in the interior for Alabama he is more of a gigantic human being, but didn't completely translate that to production on the field. Yeah, he's he's listed at something like 6'7", 320, thereabouts, and that one actually looks about right. You know, he might only be 6'6". Six, six. We'll, we'll find out at the scouting combine. But he's one of these big, powerful defensive lineman he doesn't really win with quickness in fact his first step looks almost slow but then again playing next to Quinn and Williams it might not be it just looks like it he, he looks like he kind of lumbers but he just bullies blockers but he doesn't quite have that ability to shed them and make the play yeah I, I think he's just for me sheer size um, he, he is able to do some things, but I think he needs to be refined a little bit. Uh, he's a better interior presence in the pass rush than I think his his actual you know, raw stats would say. He only ended up with a half a sack uh, this season. But Sports Info Solutions had him with 29 pressures and 15 hits. So that looks way better than a half a sack. But still, you would like a little more production there. But also in the run game, he wasn't able to shed blockers and make plays in the backfield. He only had nine run stops, which is easily the least uh, among the guys we're going to talk about, and only four and a half tackles for loss. So for someone that big who should be using that body weight to just throw offensive linemen away, he he really wasn't able to do it. No, and before we went on the air, I said, you know, Raekwon Davis kind of reminded me of Chris Canty. And they're built very similar, real tall, real big, just ginormous human beings. And their games are actually fairly similar surprising pad, pad level for guys that tall but they don't really finish well enough to just chalk up all the stats like some of the other guys you know the the most tackles for a loss that Canty ever had as a giant actually the most tackles for a loss he ever had in his career was 11 in 2011 that was the most he ever had by four that year he also had his most sacks at at four sacks but he was a valuable defensive lineman that year there's definitely potential there and and the team that is going to look at him is absolutely going to be brought in by his size uh, when you are a six seven and pushing a 320 i think i've seen him listed around like 316 whatever those actual measurements are don't really matter at the moment uh, but someone is going to is to fall for that size i mean when you have someone i think the chris canny is probably a, a good representation but you know someone might see him and think you know calais campbell which is probably dangerous because that 
amount of production was not there, but someone could be projecting. And I mean, we, we bring Davis up in the same sentence as, as Williams because they both went to Alabama, but I don't think they're nearly the same range as prospects. And I think if we were just to rank all of these guys we're going to talk about right now, I, I don't think Davis is on this top tier. I think there's a bunch of guys we're going to talk about later who, who would still be thought of as ahead of him. Uh, we just kind of bring him up in this group because he played right next to William. Yeah, that's just efficiency's sake right there. They, they played next to each other. You can watch both of them at the same time for the most part when you're watching tape. They did complement each other well, but they're not going to be probably not going to be drafted in the same range. I kind of look at Davis, you know, depending on how he tests, he might surprise at the combine and boost his stock. But he seems a little bit more like a day two defensive tackle. You know, he doesn't have that obvious pass rush resume or, you know, he doesn't flash like that on the field. So that I think will kind of knock him down about a round or so from where Williams will go. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let's move over to another defensive line that has two guys that are going to be talked about, and that's going to be Clemson. They have uh, Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence. We already talked about Colin Farrell on the Edge podcast, so you can see what Clemson's defensive line was doing this year. A bunch of guys who are just, you can really make a difference, you know, in college and heading to the next level in the NFL. Let's quickly uh, get into what you like about Christian Wilkins. He is similar to Ed Oliver and Quinn Williams. He's a little bit bigger than both of them. I'd say a little bit longer, maybe a little bit thicker. He isn't as explosive as Oliver probably about he'll probably test about the same as Williams I think he might not be ridiculously explosive but he is athletic if you define athleticism as the ability to move your body and basically solve problems with it he's got just really good movement skills he's he is very flexible for a 300 pound guy and if you're looking for an aggressive one gap interior defensive lineman he could be a really good value pick, maybe down in the middle of the first round. Yeah, he was a guy who was able to use that size to his advantage. 300 plus pounds, 12 and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, you know, which it, it's not dominant as a... Uh, as an interior defender, but as someone who plays the run well, he had 16 and a half run stops, you can take that. You don't need a guy who is only going to be good at pass rush, but if someone can give you a pass rush in the interior, that's what you want to look for. So on top of that, 29 pressures per Sports Info Solutions and 16 quarterback hits. Um, So those... Those are pretty productive numbers uh, for someone who was a good run defender, someone who is a little bigger than than the other guys we're talking about. He's maybe looks more like a traditional defensive tackle uh, than than some of the other players in this group. So when you have someone who who can get into the backfield uh, on both things, run and pass, uh, that is that is the type of prospect you should be looking for. Oh, definitely. And like Williams, he. He played next to a uh, big guy, really big guy, who complimented him well. And that was Dexter Lawrence, who is basically built like Damon Harrison. 6'4", that's what I see most often. That's probably close enough to reality. 340, he has small 
moons orbiting him, and he is just a ridiculously powerful defensive tackle. He's the guy you line up over nose or one technique all game, let him pick a guard in a center, and he just controls them. He can collapse pockets, but that's kind of the only way he's going to get a a pass rush. But he just kind of takes away the interior of the offensive line for an offense. It will be interesting to see what he does. I mean, not that going away from Clemson and into uh, another defensive line with professional football players is going to be a downgrade. Uh, But I think a lot of his role occasionally at Clemson was to use that frame. I've seen him listed at at 350. Uh, The the difference between 340, 350 doesn't really matter again, but (laughs) (laughs) that's still like nine of me. Um, (laughs) But I I think he was responsible for a lack of, you know, a better uh, description of just taking up space. He wasn't always going to be the guy to make the play, but he did help others with opening up space for them to create the play so you know he only had 27 tackles he only had seven and a half tackles for loss one and a half sacks and only 13 run stuffs so wilkins was better with those numbers across the board although he did have 25 pressures and 16 hits which which are not bad but i, I think more often he was just used as the guy who just took up space and took on blockers and took a double team and opened up things for for other players. And that is a useful piece of a defensive line. And when you look at you know, Damon Harrison, he was a guy who was able to eventually make those plays on his own. But a lot of other times, he's a guy who sucks up a double team and can hopefully make a job easier for other players. So I'm not going to say Lawrence is, is Damon Harrison, but I think just in that type of of role he can play that where he just sucks up offensive linemen and everything else for other players opens up definitely he's going to be a useful player for a team that needs a nose tackle because it it is not a glamorous job it generally isn't a highly drafted job but most defenses need a good nose tackle maybe maybe not every down but you need that rock in the middle the guy who can take the double team while the more athletic players can attack a, a single blocker or attack a single gap and shoot into the backfield and make the play. The Giants pretty much already have that in Dalvin Tomlinson, so I would be I would be surprised if they took a long look at Dexter Lawrence, but I would not be surprised if they took a look at Christian Wilkins, especially if for some insane reason he slipped into the second round. Yeah, and that's possible. So we'll we'll see how it goes there. But yes, I, I do think for specifically for the Giants, if they're going to look at someone, I think it's going to be with a little more pass rush potential than they have. So maybe if, if you're in a, a four-man line in the interior, you can either put that guy with Dalvin Tomlinson, who's going to be a little more of, of a run stuffer, or you can put him next to BJ Hill, and you have now two players who are good at both defending the run and the pass. And I think that type of versatility, putting all of those guys and rotating them together, uh, would make for the best defensive line. So if you move along, another guy who is... Has some pass rush presence, but but is has been was a little better at at stopping the run in college, and he's another one of maybe these the more traditional defensive tackle, and that's Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State. 
Yeah, he's built more along the lines of Christian Wilkins. I see him. I've seen him listed at six four two ninety. I'm not sure how recent that listing is, and it will be interesting to see what he measures in at the combine. He's very athletic, very quick, and he uses his arms well. He, for my taste, he's a little reliant on the arm over swim move to get into the backfield. It's usually effective for him because of his length and his athleticism. But if the defender can get a hand on him, he can kind of get high centered and hung up. And if a blocker can get him hung up and get his, get under his pads, he can be kind of controlled and pushed around. But he also is one of these guys who has a lot of potential as a more or less complete interior defensive lineman. Yeah, he's someone who I think can read the offense pretty well, too. Uh, so we have 14 and a half tackles for loss. Joey came into one sack, but 18 and a half run stops. So he was someone who was playing that interior and was able to to read what the offense was going to be doing. And, and he was able to get some penetration there and, and stop runs early. He also uh, had four pass breakups, which is is a good trait for a defensive lineman to have. I think we talked about this a little bit with Edge, but when you're not forcing pressure and maybe you're still blocked by the offensive lineman, but you can still read the quarterback and then get an arm up, uh, that is a very useful skill. So we had four pass breakups and uh, one forced fumble, 21 pressures and 13 quarterback hits. So that's, that's a pretty good all-around profile. Yeah, definitely. And that ability to knock the pass down is something, you know, some really good players have, you know, JJ Watt got nicknamed JJ Swat for his ability to read the quarterback and use his length to clog passing lanes if he wasn't going to get there in time. JPP, even with his hand in the club, was really good at that. So if you can have an interior guy who can clog up those interior passing lanes even if he isn't going to be able to get pressure that is very valuable yeah that that is a skill that i think can be overlooked uh, but you knock down a pass at the line of scrimmage that is as valuable as stopping a run at the line of scrimmage and i think stopping a run at the line of scrimmage gets gets a lot more glory but knocking a pass down at the line is a great thing to have that that's an incomplete pass it, it sets up that's on a first down. It sets up a second and 10. That's what you want to do. Or who knows? It could even turn into a tip drill and a turnover. Right. Exactly. Um, and that's that's a skill Simmons clearly has of of all of these guys. That's the most pass breakup. So I, I, I like that as a skill for him, especially as someone who is as big as he is and still someone who has been able to to penetrate against both the run and the pass. So while he is, uh, again, the more traditional guy, I think the next two guys we're going to get into are interesting because I think they are a little more hybrid. And and I don't say that as a bad thing, uh, but I'm not sure if we're going to talk about them as just strictly interior guys. I think they're guys who can play on the interior and on the edge and moving them around, and if you're talking about the Giants, that's great because that's what they want to do with their defensive linemen, uh, have versatility and move them all around the line. So I think the first guy we can talk about is going to be Rashawn Gary from Michigan. Yeah, Gary's got, uh, is a guy, he's he's had 
a fair amount of hype around him for about the last year. He's a big defensive end, and he's kind of a classically built defensive end. If you think of a 4-3 defensive end, you know, he's 6'5", 280. You know, since we've kind of changed from talking about front seven players as either edges or interior defensive linemen, I list him as an interior defensive lineman because I don't think he has quite that lateral agility to either play from a two-point stance or really bend the edge as a pass rusher, but he can play up and down the line. He's got a ton of power and a really good burst, especially for a guy his size. He can play like a two-gapping five technique. He could play heads up on an offensive tackle and control both gaps. And that versatility, I think, could be intriguing, especially to James Betcher, who likes three-man fronts, four-man fronts, occasionally uses two-man fronts or five-man fronts. I'm interested to see how how teams are, one, going to view Gary as, in terms of his position, but also uh, whether his kind of ability to do that might have hampered him a little bit in college, I think, because he might have just been moved around a little too much. I mean, he only played nine games this year. He's going to sit out the, the Peach Bowl as he prepares for the draft. So the amount of time he's gotten to put up volume numbers uh, are not as high as as some of these other players, but he only finished the season with seven and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, only nine run stuffs. Although he was able to get 21 pressures, 13 hits, but those those numbers, the seven and a half tackles for loss and only nine run stuffs, those, those aren't great numbers for an interior guy, but he also did play some time on the end. So, so that might skew it a little bit. So I do wonder how teams are going to view his role. I think smart teams aren't going to view that as a detriment to his play, but I wonder what some other teams will. Yeah, definitely. I also think he's kind of like one of the, a couple of the other guys we've talked about. He's got some pretty impressive athletic traits. I'm not sure he's going to test particularly well on the three cone or short shuttle, but he's got good burst and explosiveness and all that. He just needs to get better at using his hands so he can finish plays, which probably also has limited some of his production. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's that's definitely the case. So I think he's he's a type of player who I think teams are going to like, but I think the team that drafts him should have a specific plan in mind for what they want to do with him. Uh, and I think the same goes for the next guy, who is Zach Allen from Boston College. I think I would classify him more as edge for the role he played uh, in BC, but I think there's also, you know, he also is is a little bigger. He's listed 6'5", 285, so he did also play some inside. He's someone who could be used that way once he gets to the pros, and, and as a defensive end who can play in the interior also, that is absolutely to his benefit. Oh, definitely. You know, we've seen, like, Justin Tuck, who is, he could play the edge, but he could, he almost came alive when you move him inside and you can line him up on a guard and he could use 
his athletic traits to just completely out athlete them. And Allen is, like you said, he's a bigger defensive end on that four man front. And he is a powerful dude. Yeah, He's one of these guys where he shoots his hands out and most offensive linemen rock backwards. And he's also really smart. He usually has a plan and he usually has a good idea of where the play is going to go before the snap. He's got a knack for just getting in position when the ball comes his way. And that's a good thing to see because, you know, he can think through his reps. He's not just pinning his ears back and going with his hair on fire and going to run himself out of the play. Yeah. And as someone who plays a little more in defensive end, a lot of pass rush ability. So we had 52 pressures per Sports Info Solutions, which is easily uh, the most of anyone we've talked about. Quinton Williams was the leader with, with 41. So Zach Allen, who did play you know a little more on the edge, got a little bit more of that edge pressure. So that that shapes that number a little bit. So he's not like some of these other guys getting all that pressure from the interior. But again, getting pressure very good no matter where it comes from. Um, but 15 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, and 15 run stuffs. And he's also a guy, very good, and I think he had coverage a little bit just in, in the BC scheme off the edge, but he is a guy who was able to get his hand on the ball. Seven pass breakups and one interception. So those are incredible numbers against the pass when you add on to the amount of pressure he was able to get. Oh, definitely. And, you know, he could be like in the Giants' current scheme, like a really rich man's version of Kerry Wynn or Josh Morrow or RJ McIntosh, because they're all about that same size. But he's probably a better athlete than any of them and definitely brings more to the table as a pass rusher. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's, you know, that's something that is going to be a important position in modern defenses is these guys who can create pressure from any point on the line and can just play at any part of the line. Um, Those are guys that I think are going to be valued more than they have been in the past when they used to be tweeners. And that was, that was a dirty word, Uh, but I think some of the best players now are considered that. So as we move forward, look, look at how these players can fit into different defensive schemes and different defensive positions because I think that makes them more valuable now. And as recently as, as a couple of years ago, maybe even like two years ago, that wasn't as much of the case as it is right now. I think the Seahawks changed some things when they came out with their hybrid defense. And then Aaron Donald definitely changed things when he came out at the size he did and just wrecked the NFL. Yeah, you know, he... He isn't just an absolutely dominant pass rusher. Who's He's also a dominant run defender. And the realization that you could have a smaller, really athletic interior defensive lineman who could play in a 4-3. He could play in a 3-4. You know, there's times Wade Phillips line, lines him up at nose tackle. I think that opened a lot of eyes around the NFL. And there's also the just, again, this is just the pool of players that college is producing right now. Yeah, and especially along the defensive line. This is 
uh, a great class uh, with a bunch of really intriguing prospects who could all be making significant contributions next season. Uh, There's a bunch of guys who are going to be looked at very highly who we haven't talked about. There's like Gerald Willis of of Miami, who was very impressive. Charles O'Menehue from from Texas. One guy Jerry who, Tillery from Notre Dame. Yeah, a, a lot of guys. There's one one guy who I'm going to make sure to talk about in uh, another episode as we get closer to the draft. Uh, someone who I think is going to actually really be really good is Michael Dogby from Temple. Um, he's another undersized guy, like six three two eighty. He's he can, you know, another athletic freak. I think he could be like a discount Ed Oliver uh, in this draft. 20 and a half run stuffs um, with seven sacks this year on the Temple defensive line. So so there are, even when you look at that, he's probably going to be, you know, a, a day two pick at best. So you look how deep this class is and how you can find uh, players like that late here. It's it's something that's going to be very fun to to dive into as as we get further down the line. So I think we can end the show there. You can find this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, all those fun places. Please rate and review if you have not. That does help us. We will be back on Monday, breaking down the Giants and Colts. So thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.